everybody. It's Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, the Bills have a lofty position in ESPN.com's football power index. What does the ranking forecast for the upcoming season? We investigate with ESPN analytics writer Seth Walder. Steve tries his best in the numbers game, as always, and we review the AFC landscape post-draft in our latest Should We Be Concerned? Let's hit it! Glad you can make it in for another edition of Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And we come out of the blocks with another layer of supremely positive expectations for the Bills in 2022. Widely considered a Super Bowl favorite, Buffalo is also a popular pick for the big game by the popular algorithms and analytics experts as well. The latest being ESPN.com's Football Power Index which has the Bills at the top of their list as the best team in football and the most likely to win the Super Bowl. What's interesting is the analytics experts who put together ESPN's FPI have overhauled the model that does that kind of predictive analysis. Buffalo has the highest odds of making the playoffs at almost 75%, the highest odds of winning their division at just under 55%, the highest chance of making the conference title game at just over 25%, and to reach the Super Bowl at 13%, and to win the Super Bowl at almost 7%. Steve, does it make you feel even more confident in the Bills when the eyeballs of NFL analysts predict Super Bowl and the analytics say the same? Yeah, it, it makes you feel good. And then it's, it's a nice place to be where the only the, the major concern for a lot of people is, gosh, don't let up, you know, don't have a let up game. Where, mm-hmm. Like they did last year where you, you drop a game to Jacksonville. Um, Cost or, you home field advantage yeah, in the playoffs. Or you show up on opening day thinking it's going to be easy and, and you get beat by, by uh, Pittsburgh. Um, or you lose an overtime game at the end to Tampa Bay during the season. All those things like that conspire to make you go on the road for the playoffs. I think that's the goal for this team. Certainly you feel like you've got a chance at it, but you've got to give yourself the best chance at it, and that means playing home playoff games all the way through. I think the analytics help serve to some degree as confirmation for what we feel we're witnessing, which is the most complete roster in football with a fair amount of depth behind those front lines. Not everywhere, but in most places. And so a team that statistically has been the healthiest in football the last three years, I think, I think it serves as confirmation of all of that, the whole ball of wax. What is interesting, and we'll talk to ESPN.com analytics writer Seth Walter a bit later, is they've changed the components of their predictive model for their football power index. They rely less on betting line trends and more on past performance and predictive analysis. So knowing past performance does not always guarantee future results, Steve. Right. What part of the Bills makeup assures you they can continue their recent run of success? I think one of the things, and it sounds crazy to say it this way, but I, I think it's the fact that they have ne- they after 2018 when Josh first started as the quarterback mm-hmm. and it was going to be his team, they have since they learned their lessons, they have never forgotten about bolstering their offensive line and defensive line. They've done it on the defensive line, certainly through high picks in the draft up until this year. They have put a lot of investment into that side of the football up front. 
And then in the off seasons, mostly through like for instance, Mitch Morse, uh, Greg Mance this year, um, Roger Saffold, Roger Saffold. They've got some guys who that. You know, they have never forgotten about it. Ike Butker they brought back. Matching the offer sheet for Ryan Jacob, Bates. Jacob Capra. Uh, you know, they've still got a lot of investment, free agent-wise, into keeping that side of the football up and running extremely well and protecting Josh. They have Nothing slips through the cracks. Certainly you get a lot of kudos for Kyrie Elam and for James Cook and for the guys at the top of the draft and, and those guys that you think that might – contribute quickly uh, Khalil Khal, uh, Khalil, Khalil Shakir, Khalil Shakir. Oh, wow so but those guys are you know those guys uh, th- their ability to refurbish a roster every year with quality free agents early in the process yeah. guys that are mostly off radar of most people that has been the difference and I think that's what keeps them afloat and allows these great players like Josh Steph Diggs Tremaine Edmonds Tredavious White Hyde and Poyer, it allows them to flourish. Yeah. And I would say this, you talked about the investments in the defensive line. They've also overhauled it. That's right. I mean, you've got Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, Von Miller, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. That's five of what's probably going to be a nine-man unit. That is more than half the group is new. I think what helps in terms of continuity is Phillips and Shaq have played in this system before, mm-hmm. so they kind of just hop on the bike again and ride. And I think even though you have two new coordinators calling things on offense and special teams respectively, they've both been here. I mean, Matthew Smiley's been here the entire Sean McDermott tenure uh, as an assistant, and now he's at the coordinator level, and as we know, Ken Dorsey has been here each of the last Three years, And right. if there is a single greatest separator in how the Bills may be even better this year as opposed to last year, when they looked like one of the best teams in football, what would you point to? I think it's their ability to get solid contributions from middle-of-the-road free agents. Guys like Tim Settle, you know. Jamison Crowder. Jamison, right, Shaq Lawson even. Um, Eli Anku, Brandon Bryant coming in. Uh, and, of course, the guys you mentioned, Tim Settle. All of these guys, Jordan Phillips coming back. And also on the other side of the football, guys like Greg Manns and and guys like that coming in, those middle-of-the-road free agents that are, you know, so off the radar, they contribute mightily because of the structure of their contracts. The Bills give a lot of short-term contracts to guys like that. They pay them really well, but it's only for one deal. And they come in here motivated to play well on a team that's going to be in a lot of primetime games. They feel like they can get a swing in a really good contract if they come in and play well for this team. And they come in, they love this place, they thrive in it, they contribute, and it's, uh, it turns into a really good move both for the club and for the player. I'm going to give a very easy answer here. It's Von Miller. You have a number one defense in football from last year that did it without a dominant primary pass rusher. Right. That's amazing. Number one in total defense, number one in third down defense, number one in against the pass, number one in points allowed without a dominant front-line pass rusher. Just think about that for a second. I, yeah. I would love to go back and look to see how many defenses over the history of this league led the league in that many defensive categories without a top-flight pass. They have no double-digit sack. Man, no primary pass you, rusher. Now you add one? 
yeah. to that I'm, group? Yeah, I'm, and I'm, there's something to be said for if it's not broke, don't fix it. But man, oh man, Von Miller's a different cat. And also this. You just leveled up and you were the best defense in you, the league. You really have to take a hard look at how well Leslie Frazier has coordinated those guys. And certainly this, and it's it, and there's it's not it's not a simple answer. It's no, there's no simple thing to get your defense playing that well statistically. There's a lot of things involved. Certainly Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott's input, and the the attention they give to that, and the and the guys they've drafted and let develop. Two, the players themselves: Tre'Davious White, Tremaine Edmonds, the guys up front, the high round draft picks, the traits that they've got developing Levi Wallace as a number two who had to be a number one at the end of the season mm-hmm. and they're still they still hung in there as a number one defense all of that too then think about this and and Tredavious White aside it is it's a program and a practice schedule and a regime regimen that keeps them healthy mm-hmm. for the last couple of years this team has been extremely healthy all of that rolled up in there really sets them up for some success. Certainly, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott are no small part of that, but the leadership they get from Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, and the, and the guys around that roster, Hyde and Poyer, I mean, come on. They got some guys. Keeping those guys on the field on game day is one thing. Keeping them on the field during the week to prepare and to evolve as a defense mm-hmm. is even better. I, would, I just know that the vast majority of the last five seasons – the secondary has been the linchpin of this top five level defense. Yeah. For the first time in the McDermott era, you may have a pass rush that can hold up their end to the bargain and maybe play at the same level as that secondary. I know the offense gets all the headlines, but holy crap, is that downright scary? It is. It really right. is. We st- For only, our number one defense. It's only been since the Sean McDermott era got here that we've started talking about that little debate that I guess has been going on in analytics for a while. Would you rather have a pass rush or would you rather have the coverage? And they the answer seems both. to be, right, they may have both this year, but it's, the answer seems to be you need, some, you need some safeties and some corners that can cover because if the quarterback slips around, particularly in the atmosphere of a league where we got Mahomes, Mobile Lamar Jackson, yeah. Kyler Murray, all these guys that shuffle around Even and, Herbert. and take off and run, you need coverage that can hold up on a play that's been extended. So, And the Bills have been ahead of that. Uh, Poirier and Hyde have been a huge part of that. Tredavious White, Taron Johnson. I mean – so, yeah, that debate in Buffalo seems to be leaning way towards the secondary as being a linchpin of what makes a great defense. The next closest. And that's different than what's been in the last de- in past decades. Their next closest pursuers in ESPN.com's preseason football power index are three clubs that the Bills will play in the regular season this fall. The Packers are second, Rams third, Chiefs fourth in ESPN's football power index. They play all three in the first half of their regular season coming up. Would you put those teams right behind Buffalo in that order? Packers, Rams, Chiefs? Maybe not in that order. Yeah, Packers, Rams. Packers I would not put there. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to hurt them, his absence. Mm -hmm. Rams losing Robert Wood. But they got Allen Robinson. Yeah. And Bobby Wagner. So that that would tend to help them. Um, That's probably Chiefs, an upgrade. Without the Chiefs, without Tyreek, um, so the Rams could actually be a little bit better with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and those guys. Yeah, I might put the Rams ahead of Green Bay. Green Bay's got some question marks. 
and so do the Chiefs. Well, how are they going to how are they going to cope? Although Andy Reid's going to get it going, um, so I might put I might put the Packers behind both of those teams. I think the Chiefs, while they will be hurt by the loss of Hill, they they are very good at reloading. Brett Veach, yes. I would put on a par with Brandon Bean in terms of talent acquisition and free agency and the draft. He's a really good GM out there, and. People say, ah, oh, you lost Hill, it's over. <laughs> you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and you added Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Valdez-Scantling can fly. Schuster's a proven slot guy. Mm-hmm. who He might catch 100 balls in that offense. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be you know, um, and it's like we talk about in Buffalo. It'll be a chemistry situation where they get to know each but other I early would, on, but that'll happen. But I, I look at schedule, too, when I look at this order, Steve, and I would put the Chiefs fourth because their division is tougher than that of the Packers, yeah, certainly. Good point. I might consider putting the Chiefs ahead of the Rams, who have the toughest schedule in the league this year. But I believe the Chiefs roster has turned over most dramatically, even though they have reloaded well, the danger for the Packers is how much they're relying on youth on offense. They have worked to fortify their defense. So I I think the changes that the Packers made have not been sufficiently replenished, and they most directly impact their quarterback. At least you can say the Chiefs reloaded with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who ironically comes from Green Bay, and the Rams have reloaded with Allen Robinson, who you could argue is an upgrade over Robert Woods. So, as we said, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the preseason football power index with Seth Walder shortly. But first, we have the numbers game. And, Steve, the focus of this week's numbers game deals with identifying the best-scoring offenses of 2021. Fire up the music for question number one. How many of the top ten Scoring offenses from 2021, can you name? Points per game, Steve. Buffalo. Buffalo is correct. Number three last year. Tampa. Tampa is number two from last year. Kansas City. Kansas City is fourth. All right, let me think of it right. You know that Dallas. Dallas is number one. Yeah, I thought so. I thought that. I forgot about that. Led the league in scoring last year. Who have I got? You, have, you basically have the top four. Dallas, Tampa, Buffalo, Kansas City. Green Bay. Green Bay is 10th. Just made it in. Okay. Mm, let's see. What about the... Uh, let's see. What am I, who am I missing? Like Cincinnati. Cincinnati tied for seventh. Uh, the Rams. Tied with Cincinnati. Oh, okay. How about that? Those two teams face each other in the playoffs. They averaged the same exact number of points per game last year. Who gave the Bills problems? Indianapolis. India's ninth. How many have I got? I'm doing good. You're missing two. Right in the middle. Number five and number six. Arizona. Not Arizona. You were going good. You hadn't missed yet. It's your first miss. You only get Chargers, three strikes. LA, Chargers. Chargers are fifth. They are? Yep. Yeah, one left. Can you go for the 10 team sweep? Let me think. Who did be? Who was scoring a lot of points last year? Give me a give me is it AFC or NFC? AFC. 
myself <laughs> Steve, right, going to the cheat sheet. The teams are, let's see. Tennessee. No. Really? They're one seed. Didn't not go. Tennessee. They were not in the top ten in scoring. Vegas. Not Las Vegas either. No way. Is it New England? It is New, New England. New England? Sixth in the league in scoring. Wow. That With makes that troop. That, that makes me want to puke. Yep. Question two. Wow. How many of those teams made the playoffs? Top ten scoring teams in the league. How many made the playoffs? Give me a number. Out of the 14? Out of the top 10 scoring teams in the league last year, how many made the playoffs? And out of the 14, the playoff teams? Yeah. Ten out of, uh, how many reached the postseason of the top 10 scoring teams? Got to be. Well, if if New England made it and the Chargers were in there, so it's got to be like eight. Eight is correct. Indy and the Chargers, the only two really? teams in the top 10 in scoring. Indy should have made it. Not, well, they should have. Good grief. Would have, could have, should have. So should the Chargers. Yeah. They're one play away in that last game. And then they made a dubious substitution. Wow. Question three. All right, go ahead. How many of those same teams that were top 10 in scoring were also top 10 in the league in points allowed? How many? How many? Say... All right, give me the list. I can't give you the list. I don't have it. I only have the number of teams. Um, well, let me go back. Let me look at the teams. Where just... Oh, the list of the top 10, top scoring, 10 scoring teams? teams Dallas, yeah. Tampa, Buffalo, Kansas City, Chargers, New England, Rams, Cincinnati, Indian, Green Bay. How many, How many of those same teams were also top 10 in points allowed? I'll say four. The answer was five. We were oh. very close. Final question. Can you name the five teams? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> New England. New England is correct. Rams. No. Cincinnati. No. Green. No. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, Top 10 in points scored and points allowed. Last year, there were only five teams. Indianapolis. Correct. Yeah. I'll say Buffalo. What did you say? Buffalo. Yes. I didn't most I wasn't gonna say Buffalo because I took it for granted. So what have I got? You've got Buffalo. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. That's all? That's it. You need three more. New England I got. Oh New England, yes. Sorry. Come on, man. Uh two left. Both NFC. NFC. Tampa Bay. Yes. Last one. You can do it. Green Bay? No. It's Dallas. Oh, yeah. Dallas was top 10 in scoring and points allowed and went... I knew that. I should have known that. Micah Parsons is a player, man. He's a heck of a dude. All right, that is the numbers game. Not bad, Steve. You went. You almost went clean sweep, wire yeah. to wire on the top ten scoring New teams England's in the league last year. New England got gotcha. you. New England got gotcha. you. That's. Amazing. I don't think we have to worry about them being a top ten scoring team this year. Hey, sports wagerers! Right now, new customers can get their first bet risk free up to one thousand dollars by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the Fanduel sportsbook app. Fanduel sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. As promised, we are now joined by ESPN.com analytics writer Seth Walder, who had a major hand in ESPN's Football Power Index, which has the Bills at the top. We check in with Seth now as ESPN changed their algorithm. 
All right, Seth, so I wanted to start here with the football power index, and you mentioned right off the top that the formula has changed. So why don't you lay out for us where it is most different and how it may have changed some of the ratings that uh, were produced from it? Yeah, sure. So the biggest change is that in previous seasons, we've used the betting markets as a a prior, basically uh, a very heavy input into how we determine our preseason ratings. Um, And that is very accurate, uh, but we were hoping to move away from the betting market. And so that's what we finally were able to do here in 2022. So the way that we create these preseason ratings now is based on uh, past performance by each team. individual player ratings for non-quarterbacks. It's basically an ensemble of several different uh, player rating types. Uh, We have our own predictive quarterback rating and then uh, some coaching factors. If you maintain your coach on each side of the ball, um, that can, that can play a role too. So that gives us our preseason ratings. We use those then to simulate out the season and create our our projections. What's the one thing besides, I guess it's gotta be, is it outside the quarterback that can swing your rating more so than anything else. It's got to be, is it as simple as just saying, well, it's the quarterback and nothing else? And how much does stability and coaching make a difference? You know, what have you seen and what teams have you seen swing the wildest? Because I think most of us are kind of familiar with particularly the AFC East. What team has swung the most? And can we just out of hand say, oh, I understand why that team has dropped or risen the most? So, I mean, yes, quarterback is like dramatically the most important factor. I don't think that's going to be much of a surprise. Everything else does move the needle, you know, here or there. So if you bring in a bunch of new talent, a bunch of superstars that can help you. Um, If you are maintain, like, let's say you're, you, if you overperformed on offense relative to the level of talent that you have and you keep your same offensive coach, then in the way our model works is that it essentially, there's a small factor in there rewarding you for that. It's basically something like coaching, right? The idea being that, well, they they got a little more out of what they had last year. So you would expect them to do the same. And it can work in inverse too. Like if you get less out of what you expect and keep the same offensive coach, that might happen as well. So I think those those are really the factors that can push things beyond just a quarterback. You know, and as excited as Bills fans probably are to see that the Bills are at the top of this projection for preseason, correct me if I'm wrong here, Seth, because it seems as though with the new model formula that the teams are more tightly packed from one team to another. Can you just, were you expecting that? And, And is that a good thing? Does that mean that your new model is better because there isn't as much variance from one team to the next? Yeah, that's a great question. That is another big difference. So we've also changed our projection uh, format. And and here's how that works, why I think it is better. I will say, to answer your other question, this did surprise me. It did surprise me that we had such a tight grouping. Uh, We definitely were expecting it to be tighter. Um, The difference is, in the old model, we had a preseason rating for every team, right? And then when we simulate out the season, they keep that rating throughout. So if we give the bills a plus eight, say, then they are maintain a plus eight throughout. And obviously every game is a weighted dice roll and sometimes they're going to make the playoffs and sometimes they're not, but you're assuming that you know how good they are. 
The way that the new model works is that it's building in uncertainty. We might say the bills are, well, we say they're a plus 9.4, right? But we're not saying, well, we're not 100% sure the bills are plus 9.4. They might be better than that. They might be worse than that. And so in these SIMs, they get a distribution of a rating. Sometimes they're going to be a plus 10. Sometimes they're going to be a plus 5, right? So sometimes they're going to end up just being a worse team than we thought because that's just what happens. And so when you simulate out the season with that, the distributions are formed based on how, how in past years, like how much have teams deviated from what we thought. Um, when we simulate out that way, we find, we did find a closer, you know, a closer grouping of teams, you know, more, more similar types of contenders. When you go back and tear these power rankings apart to try and improve them for the next year, what have you seen as, you know, the unpredictability of injuries? Um, plus, you'll see teams seemingly at random just go on a streak and or good or bad. Um, so what are, you know, how do you, what can you learn from what you've seen in the past that is not tangible and predictable? How do you incorporate, how hard is it to incorporate that into your predictive side of the equation? Yeah, that's really important. And I think that's where that building in that uncertainty, the sort of what we call dynamic uncertainty into the projections plays a role. I do feel like in our past, in the past, we've been, the projections have been overconfident because they're not building in those situations. We do build in some quarterback injury stuff. So that I think has always been taken care of, but that's not the only factor that can cause you to be much worse or much better than you expected. And so the way this works is like, it's not saying, oh, the Raiders are bad this simulation because Devontae Adams got hurt or the Bills are much better because, you know, the other teams in the AFC East fell apart. It's saying, well, we just know that there are some things that can typically cause a team to be better or worse than we expect. So let's just look at the entire distribution of what's possible for that team and then project off of that. Last one I've got for you, Seth, is – you know, just looking at the playoff percentages, the Bills, the Packers, and the Cowboys are the only three teams above 70%. And I have to believe that their divisions, which I think many would perceive on its face as weaker, enhances those playoff chances because the Bills, the Packers, and the Cowboys are widely expected to be division champions this year in their respective divisions. How much does that I'm, I'm, I'm assuming six of their games are against those division opponents. So that's a pretty big factor in your Sims and your predictive analysis. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Buffalo and Green Bay are teams one and two in our ratings. So obviously that does help. But yeah, you're right. Like the divisions play a big role. I think that's particularly true for Dallas where they're in a weak division. And so just there's some simulations clearly where they're not even going to need to win that many games and they'll win their division. And that, that gives them an easy ticket into the playoffs that way. Um, and then other ways, it's just like they're playing these easy opponents. So you're just more likely to rack up enough wins to get into the division. So uh, the short answer is yes. I think that that plays a, that does play um, a big role really down on Chicago, for example. So I think that that might help green Bay. Um, and we are a little higher than the pack on the Packers, maybe than than most. I think while they did lose Devontae Adams, they're getting David Bakhtiari back. They're getting Shire Alexander back. Elton Jenkins missed time last year, and they were still able to perform. And now they're adding those guys back. So there's also a lot to just like about 
Green Bay as a team still. Seth, um, the football world appreciates you guys grinding out these numbers so we don't have to. And we're two more guys like that. <laughs> Appreciate it. We're, it's great yeah. reading your work, and it's great to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, and it gives us great confidence when I read your stuff that you've, you've done more homework than I ever wanted to do. So I appreciate you. Thanks, Seth. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I, I'm, I'm glad you like it. So, Steve, as exciting as it is to hear that people's eyeballs and the analytic models say the Bills are the Super Bowl favorite, the so-called favorite only has a 7% chance to win the Super Bowl, that being the Bills. Knowing how stacked the AFC is, as well as the pitfalls that can set any franchise back in any given year, should we be concerned? Well, I mean, you, there's no telling the future, so yeah, and you're, you're never going to play in a vacuum in the National Football League. There's 31 teams that are trying to squash you. Maybe the better question is what level of concern? Um, I'm going to say we should have less concern than any other team. Mild concern. Yeah. Uh, teams in the AFC, particularly the ones that are in a position to really get after it, like Kansas City, um, Vegas, the Chargers, Denver with Russ Wilson, the teams that are kind of thought to be in the middle of it, Indianapolis, they should be concerned about what's going on in Orchard Park mm. because this, this is a club that has hit on all cylinders in the offseason and has been doing it for a couple of years now, and they've got a lot of stability. They've got as good a quarterback as anybody in the league. They added some weapons. They've continued to roll. They're, they're going to get some good players back in Tredavious White. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds will have another year under his belt. They've got some new and heavier, bigger bolstering of their defensive line. It's going to be harder to run the football against them. Um, and they've got a chip on their shoulder, in my opinion, because of the way their season ended last year. So, yeah, there's the Bills should be a team. You know, when people when they when teams look on their schedule, it's pretty you. It's pretty hard just to go win loss, win loss, win loss, and get to the Bills game and say that's a win. There's not too many teams that are in a position to say, yeah, we got those guys. I don't know that there is one in the conference. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever been more confident in a team getting to the big game as I am about the Bills this year. Maybe since your team in 91, Steve. That's the only team in Bills history I can think of where people were talking like this. And we talked about that on The Daily Show, One Bills Live. There is an inherent motivation to get there because they've fallen short the last two years, as you've pointed out. And they are as complete a team as I've seen in a long time. But similarly... Not to you know, throw a bucket of water on this whole thing. We saw a 14-2 and Ravens team a few years ago get bounced in round sure. one of the playoffs. We saw a Ravens team beset with injuries last year, not even get to the postseason. Mm -hmm. Pitfall seasons do exist. I just refuse to believe that anything bad is going to happen. The Bills are a team of destiny <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> Our number to end on this week is the number one. One is the number of teams last season that finished in the top three in scoring and the top three in points allowed. It was the Buffalo Bills who finished third in scoring, first in points allowed. The only team that came close was Tampa, second in scoring, fifth in points allowed. That will do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Thanks to our sponsor, FanDuel. Be sure to subscribe so you know when our next episode is out. And remember... When you need to know about the Bills, you need to check 
Bills by the numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, everybody.